for whatever reason, I have September in my head. I don't know why. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do September tonight. You were crushing it before bing, we uh, started. Bing, 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 do you remember that? Just I do. That was my jam for for yeah. a while. I still have game. that. Do you have it? Uh, no, I have it. I think I sold it. Yeah, I have it. I have the DS. That's the only game I have is the Elite Beat Agents, so and it's good. sitting in a drawer somewhere. I pulled it up, and I did. It's it's still. It almost pulled me back in. It really did. It's a good game. It's a fine game. I got so into it, I bought the Japanese, like, original version. Holy crap. That, yeah, and then I tried to, like, work my way through all the Japanese you couldn't, UI. You couldn't yeah, even like, navigate, could you? Oh, I got through it. Like, Did you? I, I persevered, yeah. And then, like, listen to all these songs that were just a bunch of J-pop. <laughs> I was just in there <laughs> tapping and sliding and just having a great time. Do you remember when we did karaoke at the at the Chinese karaoke place or the Korean oh, yeah. karaoke place? And their karaoke machine... <laughs> forced you to navigate in in whatever language it was right it wasn't english and we're sitting there yeah you have to press okay let's press these squiggly things okay that did something good yeah it was chinese totally, you just be like um i don't know yeah this one looks like a house let's press that and the one. songs were okay but the backgrounds were all these completely it had nothing to do with the song right it was just this random oh, yeah. like sailboats you'd like, and you'd be singing journey yeah and it would be like people on a ferris wheel <laughs> We should go back there. I think they're closed, man. <gasps> Don't yeah. say that. That's bad. Were, so it was a good time. Yeah. So uh, we we should probably start at some point, but this is it. This is the the final episode of the first season. It's so I know. I've been so jazzed for getting in here. I actually almost hooked the guitar up. I almost brought the guitar Ooh. and did Ian Dorsch's uh Podunk Stomp intro myself because i practiced it today and i i got my grind to going on oh yeah i was gonna do it i was gonna hook it up and do it live you should record that and then just slice it in for the folks i could yeah i might do that you never know yes so why don't we start the final episode and you're you're up to bat my friend it is your turn. Ready to bring it. Bring it hard. Closing it out, season one. Booyah! Hello and welcome to Backers, a fortnightly podcast where we explore the most compelling campaigns in a category on Kickstarter and each pick a campaign to back. We are your hosts, Chris Rump and Brian Dupuis, and this week we are talking about what we backed in the theater category. Acting! Brian, what are you on this evening to try and give you just enough energy to talk about theater? It's like meth, cocaine, cough syrup. I mean, because I don't have any of those, and I was wondering what I could find under my kitchen sink where I could just mainline it and give me that added boost to just kind of just try and get through this category. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think, I think I'm just high on life, Chris. Mm. Yeah. I uh, I've been looking forward to getting on the microphone tonight recording the final episode of season one with my friend 
even through this horrendous, <laughs> terrible category of theater that we were presented with. <laughs> it, it's been show tunes. It's carrying me through. That's what I've been listening to Is that to what's done it for you? Look okay. down, look down, don't look him in the eye. Mm. Look down, look down, you're here until you die. Wow. Does that ring any? It doesn't. I'm sorry. You know me. The Reynolds pamphlet. Oh. Uh. <laughs> uh, Do you know what that's from? I, I don't know what that is. That's Hamilton, dog. Oh, see, I've I've not caught the Hamilton wave. Yeah. I had to stretch back to all the stuff I was listening to, like in high school when I was big time band nerd, Les Mis and Phantom of Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Alexander Hamilton had a torrid affair, and he wrote it down right there. Highlights. That's what all the kids are into these days. God knows my daughter is. Man. Holy crap. Uh, she was in... She's she's not totally off of it now, but uh, there was a time when every single night she'd be in the shower with her iPhone on the shelf, not getting wet, but cranking Hamilton tunes, and she'd be belting it out, man. Oh, yes. Nice. And she still does some. Like, there's a burn that she really likes to do, and uh, her favorite one to listen to whenever she wants a pump is the Reynolds pamphlet. Mm. Have you read this? Alexander Hamilton had a torrid affair, and he wrote it down right there. I need I need that in my life. I need a little taste of the Hamilton. It is good. I need to know, I need to know what I'm missing. It's really good. I know my sister like I know my own mind. You will never find anyone as trusting or as kind. Is that Beyonce? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. All right. How are we going to open this show, my friend? What are we talking about in the random crowdfunding zone? I was wondering if Unkar Palut was coming back. That's right. So, the random crowdfunding zone. I threw a few things in. You did. So, Thank you for uh, doing homework for us. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I try to find a few you things. Just to, I'm to, such a, to keep a us poor moving. partner for you, my friend. I no. really am. Okay. What'd you find? Um, so I found this thing called uh, Kickstarter Patrons. Yeah. This was big crowdfunding news this week, I thought. Probably the biggest crowdfunding news. I mean, it's Kickstarter. And let me see if I can just make... I should have had this ready to go. I like pulled up, ready to rock. Well, uh, I, I, I can read a little bit. So Kickstarter yeah, Patrons their- is a pilot program Kickstarter is developing which creates a bridge between institutions that champion creative projects and the creators bringing those projects to life. Patrons can be nonprofit or for-profit, but they all share our belief that creative works are essential to a healthy and vibrant society. So basically, they select these patrons and each one makes a public commitment to support campaigns through a series of pledges that are $1,000 or greater. So then they like... Kickstarter helps point them towards projects that they might want to back. Yeah, the twist here seems to be like it's focusing more on the 
these kind of deep pocket funders mm. than the actual fundees. Are, are they are they talking about us? Are, are we they, the deep pocket funders? Have they contacted you? Not yet. Because so far I've only seen that they've launched with two. They've got okay. preliminarily two of these uh, companies, or they can be nonprofits or profits, for-profit right. companies, uh, American Documentary and Pinewood Atlanta Studios. Why does so, Pinewood Atlanta Studios sound so familiar? Don't they shoot a bunch of like movies? It feels like it, doesn't it? Down there. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Like, they shoot all the... the, the all those Marvel movies are shot down in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I think that all comes out of Pinewood Studios. Very interesting. So... Yeah. So, there are a couple of things I didn't quite understand about how all this is going to play out. Like, so what do these... Uh, investors, these big-time funders, get out of their investment. Like, there was nothing that really talked about that. No. It can't just be an altruistic, <laughs> like, vibe they're putting out into the community. And I was, so I was like, do they pledge at, like, normal reward levels? So do they just take their big bucket of cash and then have to, like, fill that out amongst right. all the, the re- reward levels? Yeah. Um, or is a pledge from a Kickstarter patron... Is that like a different kind of thing? Is it just a cash injection? Right. Um, That's interesting. And if it's not, like, do they actually get the pledge rewards? So what's Pinewood Atlanta Studios going to do with thousands of dollars of enamel pin rewards? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully divvy them out to lucky people, right? Everybody can use enamel pins. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, I just didn't see anything that really talked about that side of it, you know, past this press press release i wonder if it just gives them name recognition no i I feel that like it's it's marketing budget essentially yeah could be um or you know i guess it could be too that if they found something that they really thought was going to take flight then to have their name attached to it by the way you were right pinewood studios behind infinity war spider-man guardians of the galaxy passengers ant-man yeah so yeah, something was tickling there because I've got friends that live in Atlanta and they'll sometimes figure out where they're doing shoots and like try and go there and, you know, maybe catch a glimpse of a star. Yeah. Or even when they're watching uh, Marvel movies now, they can still oftentimes like look in the background and be like, oh, yeah, that's that building from Atlanta. <laughs> that's that building. <laughs> like they sort of know where everything is. So, yeah, it's cool. It is cool. So you found a a Kickstarter campaign that turned into a complete debacle. Yeah, the Robotech Kickstarter disaster. It's funny. I, I just saw this in a different good. forum today. Did you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of episodes where we've started talking about some Kickstarter tales of woe, mm. you know, and here's another one. But um, it was this one that came, you know, across my news feed too because – even though this campaign's old, it was making press again this week. So, did you get a chance to to dig deep into this one? No, uh, yeah. just just cursory. Okay, it's like I mean, as you can imagine, from just the big brand name attached to this Robotech, mm-hmm. that you would expect. Okay, yeah, I can expect that would be funded, and it was. So this project was brought to life, kind of. Um, by over 5,000 backers to the grand sum of $1,442,312 way back in 2013. That's a chunk of cash. That's a big chunk of cash. A lot of backers. 
Um, and the headline for the, the link that I'm going to put in the show notes is from Polygon. The headline is the $1.4 million Robotech Kickstarter is an absolute disaster. It wah, failed wah. to produce enough product. And now the license itself is expiring. I mean, that kind of is a good summary. That tells you just about everything you need to know. But oh, they were dear. unable to, you know, I guess they just burned through that capital investment they got from yeah. their backers, just sailed through that, weren't able to get enough product to fulfill all their pledge rewards. And there was some stuff in there about how they kind of separated it into different waves. So I think some people did get them and then some people are still holding out, but they basically ran out of cash and now they're coming up on that. They're running out of their license to Robotech Yep. and the license expired and it's not being renewed. No. So that's just kind of like the death knell. It's, it's, it's bad news uh, just up and down across the board. And it like started off on the wrong foot. <laughs> they, they had done some sculptures for the initial miniatures and commissioned them and it cost them, you know, 35 grand to do the sculptures. And then they figured out that the, it, they couldn't actually make them. It was totally incompatible mm-hmm. with the manufacturing process. And so they had to redo the whole thing. So it, it just, it sounds like, like they said, a disaster from the very beginning. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's bad news, and, and they're getting they even, crushed in the comments and and feedback from people. Oh, absolutely, because people were passionate about this. I mean, I think Robotech fans are pretty excited about that property. They really wanted this game, and then you know, for it not to deliver, for it to be so highly publicized, yeah, those those tensions are are high. People are unhappy. And there's a really sad story that's mixed in here, too, where apparently mm-hmm. one of the game's designers um, attempted a suicide over all the, the backlash and hate that the community had given him. Yeah. That's just really tragic. That's it that's is. really sad. Um, yeah, because yeah, I was prepared to, like, when I first saw this, <laughs> uh, not make fun of, but just kind of highlight... I don't know, the, the situation. And then when I got to that point about, like, oh, man... You know, these words hurt. They do. <laughs> that, and, and, there's, and it's real people behind the the product too, right? It's not necessarily yeah. this evil conglomerate that's trying to take your money and run. It's actual people that had a dream of putting something together. They failed through, right. through fault of their own and probably uh, misunderstanding or under estimating the amount of capital that would require to reach the end goal. And that certainly happens, but man, uh, people can be (laughs) pretty harsh whenever they don't get what they paid for. Right. Yeah. For real. It made me think too, about Matt Colville's the strongholds and streaming campaign we Mm. talked about last week and how careful I feel like Matt has been in trying to just communicate and, setting reasonable pledge levels and do their diligence to try and make sure that they're not going to end up in this, this sort of situation. Yep. Uh, You know, you can really feel like he's thinking about that and uh, you know, I really hope he's, he's done it right. And it sounds like he has, like they haven't, 
that the campaign is, I think it's still about to wrap up and people are still coming on. It's well surpassed their expectations and people are trying to come in with new ideas and say, oh, you should open this new pledge level and you should do this kind of thing and you should expand it to this kind of set of custom rewards. And they're just, Matt's pushing back saying, no, that's how you get into trouble. Yep. We're right, doing what we're doing, boys. Yep. <laughs> Back yeah, I, just, off. I, I love I love his stick to itness for, yeah. for that. So that was that was a campaign. Uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, eh, whatever. I just don't nah. know what else to say about nah. this. It's just like ah. <laughs> palladium. Buyer beware. <laughs> Back responsibly. Back responsibly. What's next, my friend? Let's see. Is there something else? Oh yeah, I did have something else. You did the Kickstarter the Kickstarter campaign that wants to bring back classic Dungeons and Dragons miniatures as seen in Stranger Things. <laughs> the throwback miniatures. Yeah, I loved this one. And last week we were talking about synths, and mm-hmm. so as I was kind of getting into that mode, I had backed that synth project, which sadly um, didn't make it. Oh no! Yep, they actually pulled the campaign, but before its completion. Um, but, you know, while I was listening or in that kind of mode, I was listening to a lot of synth music and I had recalled that Stranger Things mm. has this just wonderful synth, synth like soundtrack. early 80s yeah. Yeah, soundtrack to it. So I was listening to that and then it was it was like kismet. You know, this, this campaign popped up. So this is an Italian company, Mirleton SG, which mm. owns the license to those molds that if, have you, you've seen Stranger Things, yeah? Oh, yeah. And for listeners, too, like in the very opening ones, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons down in this basement of a house. And on the tabletop, the the, the dungeon master unveils a uh, a foe, a monster, the Demigorgon. Mm. And he, you know, he slaps it down on the table, this, this little pewter miniature, this lead miniature, that's an old, old classic 70s, 80s styles gaming miniature, which aren't, aren't in print anymore. So... This campaign has the license to these molds, and they want to give people that have these nostalgic feels and uh, that's, you know, from watching Stranger Things, it's kind of reawakened this opportunity for oh, yeah. them to reprint some of these old gaming miniatures. So they're running a Kickstarter campaign that has these old, great, like, dungeon explorers and monsters and wizards and halflings and all these kind of great gaming miniatures. So Man, I was I have that itchy trigger finger <laughs> hover over the pledge button. I really want Did some you do of these. It? I didn't do it. I, I don't. I don't need more miniatures. Just Chris, it's yeah. not about if, need. If if you see me on this page with a mouse in my hand, just come uh-huh. slap that mouse out of my hand before I do something <laughs> rash. It, what if I back it for you? Well, then I couldn't couldn't refuse. Right? Exactly. Which one should I get for you? Let me pull it up. Christmas present. <laughs> I like these uh, adventurers, the dungeon explorers. Right? Okay. Yeah. I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> so they close up on April 3rd of 2018. Yep. Right now they've, yeah, 126 backers, $15,720, well past their $3,692 goal. Yeah. That's so, a pretty modest goal. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think it's another one of those things where they probably had no idea. No. Like, what's the market for this, really? Sure. Because, you know, current gaming miniatures, 
they just look so fantastic. The sculpts are amazing these days. So these kind of old retro ones, what kind of appeal do they have? Well, I think they have that nostalgic retro appeal. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, I want want it. So is that it for the random crowdfunding zone? I couldn't think of anything else. Did you have anything else? No. (laughs) I didn't. Yeah, because you didn't do your homework. I didn't. I freely admit it. I was a failure. Uh, So, Chris. Yeah, buddy. End of the season, man. Should we talk a little bit of how the season went before we get into theater i think we probably should or do we or do we get past theater and then do the season retrospective <laughs> we're just gonna i think we're just gonna blow right through theater no we have don't important think so? things to talk about oh <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> okay let's do the retrospective at the end so we can end on a high note how's that I, i'm feeling that okay that's fine so do you theater theater I really think, we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show, I really think... I'm sorry, I, every time, theater, the show tunes come back. That's okay. It's fine. Uh, what's the... Oh, God. At the end of the fortnight, we're two weeks older. <laughs> and that's all you can say for the life of a backer. Mm. Theater was a struggle, it was a war. Oh, my. But we had to complete the mission because we love our listeners. So we found something worth backing. <laughs> Can we? <laughs> Bravo! I really wish you guys could see what I'm seeing on my video, you, man. You like, you like the point, don't you? I do. You, you were point. working it up. I really wish, <laughs> wish we were a video show at this point. That was fantastic. Season two. <laughs> I don't know that people want to see us, Chris. I don't think that that's on the docket. <laughs> Uh, I don't even remember what we were doing now. I don't oh, yeah, know. Theater. I started singing Okay, tunes. so I'm curious your take. I feel like we have some simp- simpatico here. Theater and dance, I feel like, are ill-served in Kickstarter. Or at least backers are ill-served by those categories. Why is that? Because every other category... Like, I feel like you can get involved in a campaign and back it and then receive something of value back from it. Almost always, right? Or you could find something. Whereas I think for both dance and theater, it's so regional that unless you happen upon something that just happens to be in your backyard, you are backing something that you will never see, you'll never mm-hmm. experience. And I feel like it's just the wrong venue for those types of things. And that makes it tough to want to back things. I get wanting to support art for art's sake. And and that's kind of what we've done. We've backed things that we will never see and never experience solely to help them reach their goal so that they can perform for people that we'll never meet, which is great, and they'll get to make their art. But for us as the backers, I feel like we get not as much from those styles of category. Sounds like we're ready for Kickstarter patrons, Brian. That's that's right. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I totally jive with everything you're saying. And I really feel, too, like, uh, to me, theater and dance probably could be combined into a single category. Mm, performing art? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, I mean, maybe not, but for our purposes, it sure, sure would have been nice <laughs> if we only had to do this once. Yeah. I totally feel that, too. Like, when I was looking through both dance and then again theater... When I was trying to narrow down the number of campaigns that were out there and try and figure out which one to back, I did start by limiting the scope to just our city, mm. uh, Raleigh, and then even tried to expand it out to North Carolina. But the number of hits was zero to one, I think. Right. Yeah. So I really felt like, you know, if there was something that was in my neck of the woods, even if it wasn't kind of right in my wheelhouse, the fact that they were a local, I might be interested in in backing them. And if they had a local production, then going to see it, that could be interesting. Right. But for things that are happening, I mean, states away or halfway around the world, there's just really no chance almost that, you know, I'm going to make that a, a, a destination. Right. Yep. I really wonder... I mean, certainly we have no stats on this, but I do wonder for the the campaigns that get funded in dance and theater, what what are the demographics of the, the backers mm. like? Yeah. I mean, I would have to imagine 90% percent local. predominantly, yeah, they would be 90 or more percent local. Right. Maybe friends of the, of the campaign creators were at least in the same type of field, aware think- of the companies or something. You know, there's one other thing that reminds me that is kind of in that same vein. It's we might have seen this in the food category where there are restaurants mm. that w- will try to get funding on Kickstarter sure. as well to to launch a restaurant. Well, and, there were several of them, right? In the art mm-hmm. category, there were people trying to open galleries in the food category, restaurants in the music category, people trying to open studios. I think there were all kinds of regional types of things, but primarily they weren't that way, right? Those were the exceptions. It was the the art category. There were, you would get art or the food category. You would get a fajita butler (laughs) or or some kind of food stuff, right? Your IQ bars. Um, But for dance and theater, seemingly uniquely, unless you get, a video of the thing, you're just not going to be able to experience it. And I think yeah, and I you might have see... gotten smart with your backing, by the way. I did think not. So? I think. We'll see. Hmm. 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 That said, shall we get into it so we can get to the fun stuff of the retrospective? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Would you like to go first? Do you want you, me to you go want first? want to for it? <laughs> okay. On your mark, it's set. <laughs> Wait. It's not going to work, is it? Are we going to rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> That's not Rochambeau. <laughs> Isn't it? Doesn't Rochambeau involve me trying to stick your head in your butt? <laughs> I thought that, that was it? wrestling. <laughs> is that not Rochambeau? You're from South Carolina. You should know what it is. What does it entail? I thought Rochambeau was paper, rock, scissors. Is it really? I've always thought it was trying to jam the other guy's head up his butt. <laughs> <laughs> been playing totally different games okay rochambeau are you ready okay oh oh okay one two three 
Oh. All right, on paper, you're a rock. Does that mean I have I to go th- first, or do you go first? It's not the like there's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> I like Congratulations, Chris, you won. Up. What like do you want to do? Our reduced to paper, rock, and scissors. Yeah. This is not good theater of the mind. It's... Uh, uh. <laughs> Come on, Rambo. swing it. Uh, I'll do it. I'll go first. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so, I completed the mission. I did the, did the needful. Atta boy. I backed a thing. Okay. I did. It, it's a theater project. I backed a project called A Bardic Night of Improv and DVD. This is being pitched by a dude named Chris Vanderweggy, Vanderweg, Vander, 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 Vanderweggy. I think I'm just gonna. Yeah, <laughs> Brian. Yeah. I was hoping that you would read it and then tell me what I backed. I can do that. I, I, I feel like I was under pressure. Can I do it? I just, okay. Can I, I do clicked. it in my proposed? Whenever we come out with our D and D podcast, can I do it with my character voice? <laughs> oh, I'm ready for your character voice. <laughs> okay. Bardic Insights is a performance troupe specializing in short-form improvisation and skits. Comedy isn't their only outlet, though, as the troupe collectively possesses over 50 years of acting under their belts. Uh, With an ever-expanding repertoire of games, characters, and experience, the group seeks to bring laughs with them wherever they go. Since the group's founding in 2016... They've been asked to perform for several Texas-based conventions and private events, including Projectacon, Project Acon, Comic Palooza, Delta H-Con, and Anemicon, to name a few. Are you a drunkard half-orc? There you go. That's the one. What? Yes. I like this. Char- I like this character you've been yeah. workshopping. It's kind of it's kind of like Johnny Depp meets Dudley Moore meets half-orc. Meets <laughs> Dudley Moore. Yeah. You remember I'm Dudley Moore, character. right? In in Arthur. Oh, absolutely. Whenever he played mm-hmm. the drunken. Now listen, darling. Whenever we go here, so yeah, I'm still working Man. on it, but it's a work in progress. I, I need to put something in the workshop. Yeah. Well, you're DMing, so oh, you're going to have all the voices. Bunch of voice. Whew. Right, you're DMing, right? Yes. Oh, I certainly will. Yes. So so, so that's what oh, you backed. Look, look, I backed it. I did this one. So. Uh, with a growing popularity. <laughs> I'm just going to continue reading. Don't read the whole T- thing. Tune in. No. So this is a, it's a, a improv comedy yep. troupe. Right. Right. And they are doing a, I think these guys met in college at Brazosport College. Okay. Is that a real college? Maybe. That's... Uh, when it's improv and it's comedy, I never know. Like when I'm reading through this list, like <laughs> what's on the up and up and what's what's being, yeah, you know, just an attempt to pull my leg. But <laughs> um, I did. I looked up Brazosport College. It appears to be in Texas. So they're going to get back together on May 19th, and they're going to do a performance, and they're going to record the performance and press a DVD. Should Sweet. they meet their funding goal. So mainly I landed on this project because I just started going through all the 60-ish whatever in number mm-hmm. of projects that were in the theater campaigns or uh, theater category. And then, you know, I just started watching campaign video after campaign video. Mm-hmm. It just happened that this one, I got a lot of enjoyment out of watching the video. Nice. The video is the one guy who I assume is Chris sort of pitching the idea to the viewers. 
and he's telling you and about the comedy you. troupe and what the idea is. In the background behind him is the rest of the comedy troupe just being a bunch of knuckleheads and doing their <laughs> improv act. And it's so distracting. I couldn't listen to anything. But I just admit I really loved it. All I right. thought it was hilarious. And because they got a good laugh out of me, yep. really on that alone, I decided to toss a $5 bill at them. So maybe some of the crew could go enjoy a taco or two before or after the show. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't do a ton of diligence, so it could turn out that these guys are all degenerates, mass murderers. (laughs) Maybe they all wield bump stocks. I don't know. Like That's just my disclaimer. I don't know a whole lot about them, but they kind of caught me with that video, and I thought it was pretty funny. I think there are worse reasons for having backed a campaign. I think that's a fine reason, Chris. Good. So they got a chuckle. Yeah. So they got a few bucks. They um, are trying to raise a $2,500 goal. That seems pretty modest. They are currently 23 backers at 1,060 of their goal. So close to halfway there now. Still 24 days to go. They wrap up this campaign on April 4th of 2018. So mm-hmm. maybe they'll get that late push and yeah. that you see, you know, both early and late in a campaign and, get them over that and edge get over it yeah yep uh, have you seen a lot of improv do you i actually have enjoy not it? i've never okay. aside from whose line is it anyway that's which the extent great. of my improv yeah which raises the bar kind of high because those guys are pretty <laughs> yeah. solid this is super solid mm-hmm. yeah I, I admit i find improv a little bit both annoying and fascinating like on the face of it it just seems a bit exhausting but every time that i've been to an improv troupe i've just immensely enjoyed it and like you mentioned uh whose line is it too that's always really enjoyable to watch yeah i think it's that quick wit i wish i had it i didn't back the dvd i really i'm kind of on this crusade to get dvds out of my house i don't want any more (laughs) dvds (laughs) And I found this, too. There were a lot of theater campaigns that did have a DVD attached to it. I didn't see anyone that was, like, really pushing a digital media situation. Right. right. That's kind of a bummer. I feel like a lot of people out there are missing an opportunity. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Cause, I because, I mean, it's a whole had the lot pledge level, Yeah. I was going to say, had the pledge level been something where you could watch the performance live, yeah. like a live stream of it, I might have pushed a little harder. But I, I just didn't want a DVD. Or even a private YouTube link, for crying out loud. Keep it unlisted. <laughs> and just, here's your link. Watch it. Yeah, that's something that, that Space Command did, the project I backed back in film and video, hmm. that uh, they had a private YouTube link so that they were giving updates to their to their backers. Awesome. So, food for thought for anybody that's trying to run a theater campaign. Acting. All right, Brian, circle the wagons. Tell me what you... It's too late. I've seen everything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, this time in the theater campaign, I backed the Foxhole Stories Hollywood Fringe by the Foxhole Stories. Uh, The tagline for this one is, Adam, a returning war veteran, wants to talk some but can't. He instead talks to his own PTSD to find the answers to his questions. Uh, this is the first installment of what these guys are trying to do. And it is a live performance that they're planning to do 
They've done read-throughs of this with the performers. There's three performers that perform in this. Uh, I can't actually read the first installment's name. Uh, it's Twist, Pull, Smoke, Run, Mofo, Run. Uh, and so <laughs> this was this started off from a school assignment. Uh, whenever they were in college, one of the performers and I guess the lead of this reached out to a few Marines from his former unit. He served as well to interview him about their experiences whenever they returned home. And the conversations that he had with them kind of inspired the play about how people, how soldiers, how Marines returning home deal with their lives after combat and with, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I found this, Interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, probably the biggest one is my father's experiences with Vietnam. He was a very, very private person and wouldn't talk about his experiences in Vietnam at all. I don't know whether he had PTSD from any of the experiences that he had, but every once in a while, the curtain would pull aside a little bit and he'd share just a little bit of his experience that he had. And it was always fascinating to me. He, he explained how one time he actually earned a medal for this one for rebuilding. He was a, he was a, he was a door gunner, if you can believe that in a chopper. Yeah. But he was also a crew chief on that chopper that was responsible for the maintenance of the helicopter. He rebuilt an engine that got damaged behind enemy lines, rebuilt it and got it working again and got his platoon home under fire and received the, I think it was like a award for meritorious service uh, from the Marines for that particular thing. And so there were these little moments that he would share with me, but any of the day-to-day stuff or any of the types of things that probably would cause cause PSD, you know, anytime he had to actually fire on anyone or shoot someone or he wouldn't talk about the other Mm -hmm. time he let the kimono open. Uh, he had to do patrol duty. So he, he did two tours of duty in Nam. His first one, my mom says he came back and was pretty much himself. He would talk about things. His second one later in the war, obviously, Whenever he came back, he wouldn't talk about it. And this was about the time when public opinion soured more so than it had Mm. been before. It was unpopular before that, but now it was really unpopular. And part of his duty was to patrol his own base to keep soldiers from lobbing grenades at their officers. Like, that was the kind of thing that was going on. So... I think of him pretty often, and whenever I caught this campaign, that was the thing. You know, I was like, oh, well, this is an interesting thing, a a take from these veterans on their experiences in a different way, where they're actually discussing things with, I guess, a character that is representing their own PTSD, right? That's kind of how they're, they're couching this. And so I found it pretty interesting and and worth worth a little bit of support so that is what i backed 
Man, that's uh got a little heavy, huh? <laughs> that got heavy, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, let's get back to juggling. No, I buy that for a dollar. I saw that that project too, and really, it was kind of on my short list as well. Yeah, just because I know the struggles that um, uh, certainly people that are in that theater of war have when they return to civilian life. It's really hard to to fit back in. Yep, I, I think it was a TED talk, maybe TED talk. It, that sounds right. That was, um, uh, I guess, apropos of what we're talking about this week was Kylo Ren, Adam Driver was a Marine, I think, before becoming a thespian, before becoming Kylo Acting. Ren. Acting. Okay. I didn't know and, that. And, yeah, and works, like I said, it might have been a TED Talk that I saw him as a part of, but was working with a group of, of artists that were basically going to the military and doing theater to provide a different avenue for people to be able to emotionally open up. Hmm. And if I can find a link to that, we'll put that in the show notes because it's really worth a watch. I thought it was really great. Yeah. Um, And the piece that was done with basically a, it's almost like a black box theater, like one actor and one guy behind him playing a little bit of percussion is, is a very moving experience. Hmm. Yeah. Share that. I want to see it. Yeah. Weird the way your neurons kick in sometimes. It's it like, is. Man, this this project sounds a little bit, little connection, little bit familiar. Baby. And if it has you know that same sort of resonance and emotional connection that what I saw from that other piece, I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah. And hopefully very meaningful. Yeah. So what they're close? No, they're not close to their goal yet. Yeah. So they got a long time to go. They got fifty days. This one closes on. April 28th. Oh, sorry. 48 days to go. Close on April 28th. So you got plenty of time to back. Uh, they're not quite to their goal yet. They've got a $5,000 goal. They've got a little over $1,400 going. Um, they are not one of the ones that are doing videos. So <laughs> this is, you can get tickets to the show uh, and you'll get recognition on their digital playbill and on their website. But unless you're local to them. And I think it was, I thought it was Chicago, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I knew it wasn't here. So at that point it really doesn't matter to me where it is. Oh, it's in Los Angeles. I was going to okay. say their location says Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood. I don't think I'm going to make it. I, 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 I think they'll make it 48 days. They got a lot of good early support. I think they'll get a late push and, and push through. This is the kind of thing I think will will succeed personally. Yeah, it's a good mission for yeah. for sure. So that's it. Acting that's theater. I've seen everything. So let's have the retrospective zone. <laughs> One portion for a retrospective. <laughs> so, what do you think of our season, Chris? I had a blast. Yeah. Uh, We're doing more. I mean, we're not hanging it up. No. We're going to season two. No, we'll be back. Season two is a thing. It definitely is. It'll be a little different. Like, I think the idea behind just, at least in my mind, around boxing the podcast into a first season was 
we kind of didn't know like sure would we enjoy doing this right sure yeah and i thought it was nice that we looked at the kickstarter categories there were 14 of them and that seemed like a pretty doable you know number of episodes yeah it wasn't too short it didn't feel like you know, there wasn't enough to, to do a season and it didn't seem like it was too long too that we would never get through it. Right. So I, I've enjoyed the journey and I want to come back and do some more. Yeah. I think we've gotten All, better since the beginning. I feel like maybe our listeners would disagree, but I think we've we've hit our stride. Yeah, I think our production value ramped up certainly pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, oh man. Sorry, listeners. That that pilot episode, I I still apologize for. That. I almost want to get rid of it, but then again, it's there for nostalgia value. Yeah, but it's part of the journey, man. That technical production was awful. It, did I, I don't know that I ever told anyone why it was so bad. So yeah, that very first one, we were still figuring out our recording techniques, all of that good stuff. I sat on my bed with my laptop in my lap and I held the stupid microphone in my hand. And what I didn't realize at the time was every time I moved a millimeter, that microphone popped at me. Just pop, 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 pop. And so I listened back at the end and I thought I was clipping. I didn't know what the heck was going on. I finally discovered it was holding that microphone and making the, the cable pop. And so I spent a good, I think my post-production on that was probably about a full day just trying (laughs) to remove those pops. Well, you were learning the tool too. Yeah, but man, I I failed removing the pops. You can still hear, it it just sounds terrible. So listeners, my apologies for the pilot episode. The first episode, much better. Following episodes, I think, have have been okay. So... It, yeah, it's been a whole lot of fun exploring these things. I think some of the categories were better than others. Do you have a favorite category, Chris? I would also concur that, that yeah. some of the categories were much better than others. I think you I might mean, be surprised at my favorite category. Well, on name alone, I think you would be surprised that publishing was my favorite category. Publishing. But of course, you know well, yeah, the sure. project that was there, the yeah. Panatic Podcast, which I... I think I fanboyed a little bit about <laughs> yeah. um, when we recorded. I've so. never heard you fanboy so hard. It was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Oh, yeah. It was just really interesting to, you know, something that you listened to for a long time. To, sure. To have that bit of synchronicity. Oh, yeah. It was almost like Providence that we were served up publishing and I had to spare. And then just sitting there at the top of the queue was... Something that I was familiar Goodness with. Goodness gracious. So yeah. That, that was probably the biggest surprise for me. And uh, delight. For the whole season. Yeah, yeah, and delight. Trying to look through the list of all the categories and see if there were some other ones. Um, Can I tell you what my favorite was? Yeah, tell me. You'd be surprised. Comics. Oh. I really liked the comics category. It was full of such talent and so many great, campaigns i was really happy with what i chose i was really happy with the runner-up that i decided to jump in on anyway the i'm i'm still waiting on my 
Scurry, and he had to take a little break for various reasons, but came back and has now started posting pages into Facebook again. So Scurry is still on its way. But my, uh, what was it? Something intelligence, the pros? The pros. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I got those episode or issues off of you and read them too. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's the problem. Ah, proactive insurance, the pros. That's right. Sorry. I had so many backed campaigns that I actually had to click for more. That's how many. <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah, proactive insurance, the pros. I loved it. And I, I, there were other ones that I could have backed even in there. You know, I just finally chose a few <laughs> back to them. But uh, yeah, I really think comics was my favorite. Not gaming. I really thought gaming was going to be the, the highlight too. But yeah. And I'm really excited about the, the one I did back. It hasn't, we, I filled out the pledge manager. I think they're starting to try and do fulfillments. Oh, yeah. It hasn't shipped yet. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So I think my yeah. least favorite categories, if it wasn't obvious, probably dance and theater. <laughs> I just I think don't right think they fit you. the model. I really don't. Journalism was tough too. Yeah, but you can you can still get a product out of journalism. That's that's true. And yes, <laughs> of course, the thing that you packed had nothing to do with journalism, if I recall correctly. That was the one where I ducked out. I mean, <laughs> I I backed a journalism project, but yeah. it really didn't seem like a journalism you gamed it. thing at all. That's all right. If, of course, if, I only realized that after I think after making the pledge when I was talking to my wife, and she said, "What does this have to do with journalism?" Yeah. And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I still never I, I received but never put together my little brontosaurus Oh, still need to do that okay um, there's still I still have a bunch of campaigns that haven't delivered yet yeah ooh we should get our I, IQ bars pretty soon that's true I think I've filled out pledge managers though yep. for almost everything yep so I still have hope I don't think any of these are going to kind of go the way of Robotech. No. Except oh. maybe that firm lock that I backed way back in design. That really? thing is having some issues. Uh-oh. And they're still not communicating super well to their backers. And if you go and you start reading in the comments on the Kickstarter campaign, people are starting to reach for pitchforks. So no. That one's getting a little getting a little dicey. Maybe they can turn it around. Interesting. And then, of course, I got the uh, shorts that were <laughs> way too big. But it turns out that my yeah. brother was able to, to fit <gasps> really? into them. Yes. Oh, well, that's good. I didn't get to see him wear them. I just said, try these on. He said, yeah, they'll, they'll do. So they'll I work. said, okay. So, yeah, so that's good. At least they'll get some use. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. IQ bar is on the way. And then I had a few, too, that didn't make it. The Makerspace didn't make it. Mm. And the Miasma didn't make it. So neither of those two met their funding goals. Yeah, I only had one that didn't make it, and that was the Just the Facts podcast vlog from... Journalism. What was that? Journalism, yeah. That's the only one of mine that didn't make it. Everything else was got backed. And I'm looking forward to all of them. Ooh. Najara, the Epicorus is late. It was supposed to be delivered in February. Did you ever get your recipe? I never got my recipe. Mm. Yeah, I know. 
And I just read the thing. It was supposed to be delivered in November. So that one might be a lost cause. So yeah, I thought season one, very fun. I think season two will be even better. I think we're still working through some concepts on how we want to change things up. We're not going to do the random category anymore because we have done our penance. <laughs> we, we survived the whole thing. We powered through all of the categories, and I'm never doing it again. Let's just do a baker's dozen. We'll do 13 episodes of theater. <laughs> no. That'll be season two. <laughs> Why do you hate me so much? Uh, no. We'll have more information on episode one. Yeah, I think, I think if we switch it up where we're not beholden to having to do the category run throughs like we did this time mm-hmm. around. I think we'll be able to find more projects that we're more passionate about. Correct. Uh, and it'll just give us more to talk about. Yep. Like imagine me fanboy squeeing every week <laughs> like I did during the Pen Addict podcast. <laughs> I, I really hope that happens. <laughs> I want it every week. Cool. Listeners, thank you very much for following us on this journey through season one. We eagerly await presenting you with season two. It won't be long. I figure we'll, uh, eh, we might, might be two weeks. It'll depend on how our schedules shake out, I think, but we will see you soon for season two of Backers before you know it. In the interim too. Yeah, I was going to say in the interim, if you have thoughts, ideas, concepts for season two as well, we'd love to hear them. Oh God, yeah. You can just find us on Twitter. Just uh, hail us at Backers Podcast. Yeah. Alrighty, guys. That's all of our time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next time when we will be kicking off Season 2 of Backers. Backers is produced by Brian Dupuy and Chris Rump. You can find the show notes for this episode and our previous episodes at our website, backerspodcast.com. You can contact us on Twitter at at backerspodcast or individually at coldforged and at rumpy. Join us again next time. And until then, back responsibly. Back responsibly.